Oh, hell, do you read me? Affirmative, Dave. I read you. What's up, everybody? You're listening to a brand new episode of the All Things Dave podcast, and I'm your host, Phantom Dark Dave. If you're listening for the first time, welcome to the show. And this episode, it's a pretty good one to start on. Now, for returning listeners, there might be some things you already know, but there's also a chance you're going to hear some of my fondest memories for the first time. I know it's pretty clear by the intro that I love science fiction. But if you look at the thumbnail to the podcast, you know, where it pops up on your podcast feed, it's also pretty clear that I love horror and VHS tapes. Well, today's episode is going to combine those last two things. Now, originally I was going to attempt to do a top five, but that's pretty ridiculous. I know I've already done like a top five sci-fi movies episode, so one would think like, how hard can it be? Well, it's so hard I can't wear bicycle shorts, you know what I'm saying? A really cool thing about today's episode, though, is that these horror films that I'm going to mention are in no particular order. I could sit down and I can rack my brain and attempt to put these in an order of, like, favorite to least favorite or something, but I thought if I left them in somewhat of a random order, then maybe it would throw off, like, the dedicated listeners that know me a little too well. So, we'll give it a shot. Now, there are some connections between, but for the most part. The last thing that I should probably say up front, especially for anybody that's new, I'm not a film critic, okay? Like, I love movies that people respect. I love movies that people shit on. That's just kind of my thing. But these choices today, they're mine because I absolutely love them and they have special meanings in my life, okay? So all you bougie-ass film snobs, beat it. (laughs) But let's dive in, man. Let's bring on the horror. Number one. From 1973, The Exorcist. Somewhere between science and superstition, there is another world. Let's see what the... 
believed it. And nothing could stop it. There are no experts. You probably know as much about possession as most priests. Look, your daughter doesn't say she's a demon. She says she's the devil himself. I'm telling you that that thing upstairs isn't my daughter. You to tell me that you know for a fact that there's nothing wrong with my daughter except in her mind. You tell me you know for a fact that an exorcism wouldn't do any good. You tell me that. The one hope. The only hope. The exorcist. I remember seeing this movie for the first time on VHS when we borrowed it from a family friend. Uh, I think her name was Andrea or whatever. I think my mom used to buy weed from her or something back in the day. But, uh, you know, The Exorcist had a reputation, right? I remember hearing a lot of stories about this being the scariest movie of all time. And honestly, who am I to agree with that, right? It's definitely a creepy movie and stands the test of time. Um... It's crazy to think that in just a couple of months we're going to get another sequel, right? I know that this movie has a handful of sequels, even had a, a couple like dual prequels at one time, and the sequels are kind of hit and miss. I'd say more miss than hit. Three is pretty good. Two is kind of weird. I got to rewatch two. It's been a long time. But we're talking about the original, right? And movies about demonic possession will always be frightening, but there's just something extra creepy when it involves children. Now, I know this movie was based on a book by Peter Blatty. As of this recording, I still have not read the book, but I heard it's really good. This movie, look, it has some of the best practical effects, and the makeup, uh, which is done by Dick Smith, is extraordinary. Like, I know for a lot of people who don't really dig into this kind of stuff, everybody knows you got kind of like the two main priests in this movie. You have the main character who kind of carries over, but then you have like the priest who does the exorcism that, spoiler, dies at the end of the movie, the real old guy. Man, he was not that old. Like that dude just died a few years back. Rest in peace, Max Fonsado, right? But it's just crazy that the makeup was so good that we thought he was that old. Um, this movie, it has some of the like just best music too like the tubular bells are just so appropriate to the source material like anytime i hear that like around halloween time when they play uh, some of the you know the party music for halloween i hear those tubular bells i can just picture you know the the wind blowing it's cold dark outside and there's an ambient light coming from a window and there's an exorcism about to take place like it just puts me in the zone but um you know, talk about being in the zone. Like, I can't say enough about this movie that hasn't already been said, but when I saw it, I was at a young age, man, and it really allowed me to be, like, pulled into the story uh, that the film was trying to project. Because, like, Linda Blair and I were about the same age. Like, in the movie, like, she was 13, 14 years old, and I was about 13 or 14 when I saw it. And so it was, like, extra scary to be like, that could be me, right? But, um, hey, one would say it's an excellent day for an exorcism. And I would say it's equally an excellent day to watch The Exorcist. Number two, from 1974, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. What happened was true. 
series of crimes in America. I remember seeing this one for the first time on VHS because I bought it at a local pawn shop. I remember I was with my mom and my shitty ass stepdad at the time and she had told me, hey, get this one because it's really scary. And now the thing about my mom is like she doesn't watch horror movies, right? So I remember thinking, is it really scary or is it just scary to her? And the answer is both, really. Um, I say this movie's super cool because, one, I'm a Texas native. But two, I really like chainsaws. I don't, I don't know what the fascination is with that. And so it's kind of the best of both worlds. And Julie and I, we like to watch like The Masked Singer. And you know, for those of you who know the show, cool. But if not, it's celebrities and people dress up in costumes. It's not just a mask. And they sing, but the costumes can kind of be whatever, right? It's almost like you could dress up as your spirit animal. And I remember Julie's like, what would you be? And I'm like, a chainsaw. So that's really cool. I'd be a chainsaw on the mess singer. If the idea gets taken, I'll be really upset. But now that I put it out there, you know, somebody's going to take it. That's just the way it works. But, um, yeah, this movie, you know, it's about a group of teenagers. They go trespassing in a house in Texas. And it just so happens that this particular house is owned by some sadistic cannibals, one who of which wears people's faces and kills with hammers, hooks, and chainsaws. It's a pretty great horror movie. Um... I remember this one time when I had watched it, I was visiting a cousin out in West Texas, you know, where it looks very fucking Texas Chainsaw Massacre-y, and we watched this movie, and then we went outside on the dirt roads on this go-kart that we had. It was like 10 at night, pitch black, and we were scared out of our minds. I swear it was like I could hear Leatherface squealing and running through the fields towards us, and it was the longest five minutes of my life. Now, the thing about... Texas Chainsaw Massacre is like The Exorcist, right? There's a handful of sequels and prequels, and they're a lot of fun, but honest to truth, nothing beats the original. Like, you could say, I cut my teeth on horror with this one. Number three, from 1954, Creature from the Black Lagoon.
science couldn't explain it. But there it was, alive, in the deep, deep waters of the Amazon. A throwback to a creature that had existed a hundred million years ago. Immensely strong and destructive. A woman's beauty, the bait that brought it out of its lair. See underwater thrills never photographed before. See titanic underwater battles never dreamed of before. In this most terrifying of the science fiction adventures. Right here, this is my favorite of all the Universal Monsters. I definitely remember seeing this one back when I was a younger teenager and I was visiting my grandfather when he lived in West Virginia. Most people know that I love the Universal Monsters, and for the longest time it was kind of this toss-up between Phantom of the Opera, Lon Chaney, or Creature from the Black Lagoon, which had Ben Chapman and Rico Browning. But I gotta give the upper hand to the creature. Uh, don't act surprised, Jed Bryan, if you're listening. Like, you knew this was coming. <laughs> I know what you're thinking, guys. Like, you're Phantom Dark Dave. Well, Creature Dark Dave doesn't quite roll off the tongue, does it? No, seriously, does it? Let me know. Maybe I'll change it. But the entire Creature trilogy is so entertaining, and especially that first film. The acting, the underwater photography, the menacing music. Like, it really creates the best Creature feature experience I remember when I saw this one, um, I did see it back in the day on the big screen too, it was really cool. I went to the screening in Dallas and I got to see it in 3D. It was one of those like Mondo Presents type deals. Uh, all the while I was eating some buffalo wings, it was really cool. But back in 2003 I went to this horror convention in New Jersey and I got to see Ben Chapman and I didn't get his autograph because I'm stupid. Like I totally should have done that. Ben, he played the creature on land. And, um, you know, I also never got to meet Rico Browning, and he played the creature in the water. He was a certified scuba diver. He could hold his breath for up to four minutes at a time, maybe even longer. But it's just crazy to think, right? Well, check this out. My buddy Jed Bryan, you guys know Jed Bryan. He directed the horror film Unlisted Owner. Well, he does horror conventions. You know, he sits behind the tables and signs autographs, rightfully so, because Unlisted Owner is a badass found footage movie. If you haven't seen it, check out Amazon Prime. You can see it. But uh, he called me one day when he was doing a convention, and he got a hold of me, and then he just straight up handed the phone to Rico Browning. Like, there I was. I think I was, like, driving. Next thing I know, I'm talking to the fucking creature from the Black Lagoon from 1954, man. And I got to say, it was, like, the greatest three-minute conversation of my life. And Jed was there, so he got an 11 by 17 poster signed for me, and it was an experience that I'll never forget. Um, and it really meant a lot to me, so thank you for that, Jed. But... Um, you know, friends mean a lot to me too. So like, I'm thankful that Jed did that, but I got a buddy named Brian. You guys know Brian. He's the host of the Terrible Terror uh, podcast and he and I hit it off way back in the day. And I think what really did it for me was he also loves Creature from the Black Lagoon, right? And it was introduced to him by his grandfather as well. So that's kind of a special like connection that we um, share that and our love for Vincent Price. And so I was like, I can't just not think of brian when it comes to the creature and so i sent jed the money and i was like jed get me one and get brian one too and so got an autograph poster sent it to brian and just, you know just a really cool thing and uh, and i got friends in real life that do small shit like that like maybe you know they buy you a burger when you can't afford it and that shit just goes such a long way love you ed the undead but um 
You know, it's 2023 now, and both Brian and I's grandfathers are, are gone. But, um, you know, I like to think they're kicking it in heaven, man, watching creature films. Like, that would just be ideal, right? Let's keep it classic, man. My number four from 1961, Curse of the Werewolf. The Curse of the Werewolf that was laid on a baby who grew into a man possessed by a monster. Spanish town, the night brought drinking and dancing, music and girls, and the moon. The full moon that turned an innocent man into a savage beast. The curse of the werewolf, a man possessed by a desperate need for love, who found in Christina all the passionate sincerity of youth. Christina, do you love me? Will you marry me, Christina? You say you love me, will you marry me? This is the only movie on my list that I don't remember the first time I saw it. It might have been on the Turner Classic Movie Channel just one night. But, um, you know, if you've listened to my top five werewolf episode, you know how much I love it. I mean, come on, it's Oliver Reed in a werewolf. What's not to love? I know this movie is available on a Hammer Horror compilation disc. And it was the only werewolf movie that Hammer Horror ever did. Uh, for those who don't know, you know, Hammer Horror is a production company that was really big in the 1960s. You had Universal Studios doing their thing, like Frankenstein, Dracula in the 30s. Well, Hammer did their own line in the 60s, and they did a lot of sequels. Um, we had Taste the Blood of Dracula. We had Frankenstein and the Monster from Hell. And so, a lot of cool stuff, but as entertaining as all of them are, I gotta go with the single werewolf movie. It's got such a unique story in a really cool setting. Some of the settings, I know they use like backgrounds from some of the previous movies I just mentioned, but this movie and Creature from the Black Lagoon are my only oldies on this list today because I couldn't have a million movies. Well, I could, I just didn't have a million hours to do it, but they're also currently the only two films that I have. 24 by 36 posters framed, hung on the wall, and the masks in front of it. I collect the Universal Monsters mask from Trick or Treat and everything like that. So, Really, really cool stuff. And again, I mean, classic horror movies are so great. And these are, in my opinion, two of the best. But hey, how about a werewolf joke? So, here we go. What do you call a sleeping werewolf? An unaware wolf. <laughs> I'm a dad. I can make jokes like that. And I also find them funny. So, speaking of classics, 
from 1982. Number five is The Thing. Here is the only horror remake on my list today. I love the original, right? The Thing from Another World from 1951. But I may love the John Carpenter remake more. (laughs) This movie is so... like, There's just so much isolation and claustrophobia, paranoia, and it's a total who's who type monster movie. I definitely remember the first time that I saw this movie. It was 23 years ago. I picked it up on DVD along with William Castle's 13 Ghosts. And get this. I got them from Sam Goody. Do you guys remember Sam Goody in the mall? Man, that and what was the other one? Suncoast Video. That's where you went to buy movies. Like Best Buy was a little cheaper, but these tend to have like the one-offs that you need in some of the B-movies. But, man, talk about expensive. I incredibly miss these movie stores, man. Where does the time go? Anyways, I remember taking these two movies home, and I had just seen the 13 Ghosts movie, the remake, right, with Matthew Lillard over at the Stonebriar Mall. Tells you where I was at at the time. And so I thought, I really wanted to see the original. And though they're extremely different, the original's really good, too. In fact, after watching the original 13 Ghosts, I thought I messed up, right? Like, the movie was so good that I thought the follow-up, you know, the John Carpenter, the thing wouldn't be so great and i'm here to tell you i've never been so fucking wrong in all of my life john carpenter's the thing remains to this day one of the greatest horror films um and has the probably best practical gore effects i mean i had already known john carpenter right because of his work in halloween i was already a fan but nothing could have prepared me for this movie the thing has finally gained its cult status and is incredibly loved by horror fans But 
man, it did not do so well when it came out because it came out like the same weekend as E.T. and the world fell in love with the happy alien. And then I guess the people who went to saw the thing were maybe older, maybe they were huge fans of the original, and this was this total like gore fest thing that they were not prepared for. And that's really funny too because John Carpenter's The Thing is closer to the book, so what gives? But we all know how that goes, right? All of us, we love this movie. And speaking of, like, the main character is Kurt Russell. I was already familiar with Kurt Russell because I watched Overboard with my mom growing up. He's kind of a badass in both movies, if I'm being honest. I remember one birthday I had just a couple years ago. Julie and I watched John Carpenter's The Thing and ate Wingstop. I mean, how else would you spend your birthday, right? Like, that's amazing! <laughs> Don't you guys just love how simple life and happiness can be if you just let it? I feel The Thing is a movie that gets better with every watch, and so I'd say if you've only seen it 50 times, watch it 50 more. Speaking of John Carpenter, number 6 from 1978, Halloween. Halloween night. A small American town. 15 years ago. trying to keep him locked up because I realized that what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. I think he'll come back. Exploring uncharted territory. And totally charted. Just talk. Sure, sure. The only reason she babysits is to have a The night he came home. It's Michael Myers. It's Laurie Strode and Dr. Loomis. There are several iconic horror films on this list today, but it's probably a toss-up between Exorcist and Halloween over which one is most iconic. 
but the good news is, like, they're equally loved by me. So, good times. They're both here on this list. And Halloween has just done so much, right, for the horror genre. It practically became the staple for slasher films. It's the blueprint, right? Even the original is pretty tame in the slashing, but it inspired slasher films. Go figure. Ah, oh, man. But, you know, it did, like, do a big thing with The Final Girl, and that's really cool. And I definitely remember the first time I saw this movie. I was like eight years old. And I was just hanging out by myself. I was at my grandma's house. But I was hanging out in my aunt's room. Because my aunt had a tube TV that sit in this armoire. And so as a kid, hell even today, I like to sit on the floor. Like on the carpet and watch TV. Problem is nowadays all of our TVs are mounted. And you got to look up really high. Well, back when it used to sit on the armoire armor am i saying that right anyway you were like eye level with it and it was perfect and the speakers are right there in your face and it was great but uh you know one day i was just browsing through the drawers of this armor and there's all these movies in here some i never heard of but then i came across like the unmarked vhs tape so we both know this could have went two different ways <laughs> and it didn't go that way it went this way right i popped that sucker in and i started watching this movie that i, I you know i had no idea what it was there's just guys in this brown trench coat, and he's shooting this guy in the white mask. Like, I had no idea what I was watching for some weird reason. It just clicked, right? I was fascinated by it. Luckily, at age eight, I wasn't too pissed off that I realized I had watched the end of the movie without seeing the beginning. I would have totally not been okay with that today. But this movie, like this experience, it surfaced as the spark that caused the fire with my interest for horror. And it really did. I made the joke about cutting my teeth in on Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but this one is probably the one. Then a few years later, I started building my VHS horror collection, and it wasn't complete until I got that Halloween VHS tape, and I was able to watch it all the way through, and I was a changed man. And to this day, I still am fascinated by Michael Myers and the Dr. Loomis duo, like Donald Pleasance played the role perfectly as Dr. Loomis and Nick Castle as the shape was flawless. And how cool is it, right? That Michael Myers, like the mask is an altered William Shatner mask. I mean, I'm a total Star Trek geek and you're telling me like, like the original series is my favorite and the original Halloween, you put these together. And it's like the same, like that's really cool. It's two in one to become one. It makes me think of the Spice Girls song, when to become one. Shout out to my buddy Johnny Staggs. He digs Spice Girls too. Let's keep this party rolling. I already mentioned Halloween. You know I'm a sequel guy. From 1981. Halloween 2. I shot him six times. I shot him in the heart. He's not human. Universal Pictures presents Halloween 2. More of the night he came home. Who is it? There was nothing within him, neither conscience nor reason, that wasn't even remotely human. Is this some kind of a joke? I've been trigger treated to death tonight. You don't know what death is. Janet, go tell Mr. Garrett we're having trouble with the phones. There is no place to hide. He will always find you. What's this? It's a Celtic word. 
remains the Lord of the dead. If you're a frequent listener, don't act surprised, right? This won't turn too many heads. You know I'm a sequel guy, and you know I love Halloween 2, even a little more than Part 1. And I acknowledge, you know, Halloween 2 wouldn't be what it is without the existence of Halloween 1 and everything that it established. If I'm being honest, I like to watch them back-to-back. I think that's like the perfect horror experience. I've already expressed my love for Michael Myers and Dr. Loomis, but man... Put them in a creepy-ass Haddonfield hospital and just sign me the fuck up, right? In this movie, Michael Myers is played by stuntman Dick Warlock, and he is beyond great. I met him back in 2003 at that Monster Mania convention. He was the first and last person that I greeted that day because I was just like, you're Dick Warlock, man. That's awesome. The kills in this movie are epic. And the hospital. Man, what a perfect place for a horror film. Dr. Loomis gets so much screen time in this, and so does Michael Myers. And I know Laurie Strode gets less screen time, but that's actually okay with me. But hear me out for a second. Jamie Lee Curtis, she's a wonderful actress and a wonderful final girl, but I want to spend more time with that crazy-ass Loomis and that psychotic Michael Myers, right? One day on this podcast, I'm going to have to go in-depth. You know, get somebody on here to guess with me and talk about Halloween 1 and 2. Just like, they're so good. But for now, I'll just tell you that not only is this movie on my favorites list, like it's high on my favorite list. And if you want to know how I feel about Michael Myers and some of the kills that he does, check out my episode, Top 5 Favorite Michael Myers Kills. But hey, let's keep the sequel train going. Here's another sequel that I love. It's from 1981, my number 8. It's Friday the 13th, part two. Part 2 The 
count continues. Fourteen. exact same year that two movies would come out and both be on my list i remember buying this movie on vhs from suncoast video in the mall i love 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 potato sack jason and i know right it kind of rips off the town that dreaded sundown but that movie's not on my list so let the boy watch this is my favorite friday 13th film i'm gonna tell you why i love hillbilly jason like it just totally works for me but also i love the final girl I'll take Amy Steele's Jenny over Jamie Lee Curtis's Laurie Strode any day of the week. And now, obviously, like, that's not a knock at Jamie Lee Curtis, because Halloween, both the movies, right, one and two, were on this list already. But there's something about the Jenny character that just works for me. Maybe it was, like, her psychology background or something. It was really cool and unique. But I also like her in some other movies, so her character's just cool. But um, there's a lot of likable people in this movie, at least to me. Like, I love the counselors. Out of all of the Friday 13th movies... These counselors, this is my favorite group. And Camp Crystal Lake's great. I'm really looking forward to the new show that is going to come out on Peacock. But uh, the kills, man. <laughs> like, don't get me wrong. Tom Savini is amazing. And he did the kills in Friday 13th 1. And he didn't return for Part 2. But some of the kills just in Part 2 really work for me. How awesome? How much do they work for me? <laughs> Go check out my Top 5 Jason kills. Yes, I'm plugging my own podcast. But whatever. I digress. Look, in this movie, we get the introduction of adult Jason... That's awesome. We get the return of Crazy Ralph and Alice. That's awesome. But man, Ted is great. I know my buddy Andy prefers Part 3. And I know my other buddy prefers Jason X. But hey, let James be James. But my question for you is, who's with me and loves Friday the 13th Part 2 the most? The Friday the 13th franchise is a lot of fun. But for me, it'll always come back to number 2. Number 9, from 1979, the Amityville Horror. It's the kind of house they don't build anymore. A relic of a time when the world wasn't in such a hurry. When there was still time for a little charm and elegance. It has stood empty for a long while. And at the price, it is a bargain for a growing young family. It is almost too good to be true. What do you think? I love it. James Brolin, 
Margot Kidder, Rod Steiger, in the Amityville Horror. God's peace in this house. Kathy? Father Delaney, there's something very important. Now here's a franchise that got a little out of hand. And to be fair, I think the first nine films are really good and worth your time. But the original is so good. By now, the genre is saturated, right? With haunted house films. And to be fair, I think most of us are happy to have them. But you know what? Let me tell you about the first film. I remember I was at uh, Kmart. Yeah, you guys remember Kmart? They're at one of these for like 300 miles around here. If you live by a Kmart, shout out to you. Hit up Little Caesars. It's good. But I was at Kmart, and I was shopping with my grandma, and I don't even know what we were there for, but we were standing at the checkout counter up front, and I was just minding my own business. But right there next to me, eye level, was this double pack of Amityville films on VHS. And if you Google it, you can see what I'm talking about. But I had never heard of this before, right? I was a kid, and I was like, what's the Amityville horror? But I knew... I liked the genre, and this had horror in the title. And so Grandma hooked me up, man. She bought it for me, and I went back to her house. I used to spend a lot of time with my grandma. And, um, and it, both movies are awesome, but that first one, right? Like, it just started it all. And James Brolin and Margot Kidder, they're so awesome. Like, I'll watch anything that they're in. This movie, it's intensely creepy, and <laughs> I wish I owned this house. Like, I know Julie would not agree with me. But one day, if I ever do own a house, I'm going to customize the windows. Like, I want them to look like the windows of this house. Much like all the movies on this list, I've seen this film a countless number of times, and it never gets old. It's terrible to think that this movie's based on real-life tragedy, and, and I'm not one for dwelling on true crime. That's not my bit, but I'd be lying if I didn't say that I love this movie. I'm pretty infatuated with the whole Ed and Lorraine thing, and to know that they were involved with this, just it kind of makes the movie like better and even higher on my list. And Besides, there's no bad houses, just bad people. Like, 
people that don't like Amityville. No, I'm, just, I'm kidding. Uh, I know, I'm probably in the minority, but that's okay. Totally works for me. Number 10, from 1990, It... talk about a made-for-TV movie that I totally dig, man, and I remember watching this on TV, like when it played on the antenna, and it probably wasn't the first airing, but it couldn't have been too long after, and I just stumbled upon it, and I could not look away. It was like a Saturday, 12 noon, nothing else going on. Tim Curry is incredible as Pennywise. Beep, beep, Richie, you know what I'm saying? I know a lot of people love the remake, and I think it was well executed. Like, I'm not here to shit on the remake, but the charm of the original will always have my vote. And not only is Tim Curry at the top of his game, but you got Jonathan Brandis, Seth Green, Olivia Hussey, Tim Reed, John Ritter, Richard Macier, Annette O'Toole, Harry Anderson, and freaking John Boy. I mean, Richard Thomas. Uh, <laughs> I should also point out that, you know, this movie is directed by Tommy Lee Wallace, and I met Tommy Lee Wallace once. He was the producer on the original Halloween. But man, he's kind of a diamond in the rough dude, you know. He uh he did a few horror sequels back in the day. You know, he did it, but he also did Halloween three, Season of the Witch, and Fright Night Part Two. So this movie It soothes my soul, right? It's just such a massive part of my childhood and I remember not only seeing it on TV but I also had the double VHS of it and I wore that thing out right like anytime I would go stay at my grandma's for the weekend I brought my it movie with me and this should be like a big deal to people who know me because nine times out of ten I hate long movies like I will not watch it but there's something about this movie it just never seems long it just is what it is right and this movie and John Carpenter's The Thing are my two comfort movies. Like, when I'm sick and on the couch for a long time, I watch these movies. It'd be like that. But hey, how about a Pennywise joke, right? I gave you guys a werewolf joke. Let me get you a clown joke. Here we go. What's Pennywise's favorite candy? Sour Patch Kids. <laughs> you know, because he eats children. Yeah, anyway. But you know what? I didn't mention... This is based on a Stephen King book. And guess what? So's my number 11. It's from 1976. Carrie. Your eyes in the back 
It's the night of the senior prom. The Bates High School gym is alive with excitement. Everybody is there, even Carrie White, the girl no one likes. We're all sorry about this incident, Cassie. It's Carrie! And everyone makes fun of her. girl who lives in that creepy house with her crazy mother. Help the singing woman see the sin of her days and ways. Show her that if she had remained sinless, the curse of blood would never have come on her. The girl with the strange power. If I concentrate hard enough, I can move things. But tonight, no one will laugh at Carrie. If you don't have a date for the prom next Friday, would you like to go with me? She's with the best-looking boy in the senior class. He's trying to trick me again. She'll be voted queen of the prom. You know, I can make sure that you don't hurt Carrie White anymore. For Carrie, it will be a dream come true. For everyone else, it will be a nightmare. <coughs> Carrie. <coughs> a new film by Brian De Palma. Based on the chilling bestseller. Starring Sissy Spacek, Piper Laurie, and introducing John Travolta in his first motion picture role. If you have a taste for terror, you have a date with Carrie. These are the only two Stephen King-based films on my list, but dude, Carrie is a masterpiece. Sissy Spacek is perfectly cast as Carrie White. Totally believable, does an amazing job. We get the return of PJ Souls. She was in the original Halloween. Great to see her. Those movies, in fact, she did this movie first, so that's awesome, right? 70s were good to her. But we also got like a long-haired John Travolta. This was his debut film, and that's just funny, right? And crazy to think about. But... Carrie is a movie that I also borrowed on VHS from that family friend, right? Same one who loaned me Exorcist. And I just have great memories um, going to, like, my grandma's house and watching movies and then going to my grandfather's house watching movies. Yeah, my grandfather at this point lived in North Carolina. Like, he always moved around in the Northeast. Go Canes, right? Or maybe not. I don't know how you're doing. Not well. But, um... I need to make this clear, right? I keep talking about how like I go to my grandfather's and I go to my grandmother's. And when I was born, my grandmother and grandfather weren't together like in my lifetime. They were already separated and um, doing their own thing. And here's an image you don't want. Like they're probably doing other people, right? Ugh. <laughs> Anyways, Carrie has such an immersive story and it really builds you up to this amazing finale. And I don't know if telekinesis really exists or not, but because of this movie, I really hope it does. Carrie is another one of those movies that I think it ages really well and people can still resonate with it, like viewers today, because we all know what school's like, and unfortunately most of us also know bullies, and some of that stuff is relatable, and I wish it wasn't, right? But Another thing that like I do wish for is I wish Sissy Spacek did conventions because that would be like I wouldn't even have to consider that. Seeing Sissy Spacek, I would get a poster, get it autographed. You can't put a price on that. No hesitation, man. Like I went to prom and it was okay, but I'm kind of sad cuz nobody offered me any pig's blood. 
Let me get that autograph carry poster. <sighs> but hey, speaking of blood, right? Let's talk about a movie that came out when I was born. Ugh, it's from 1984. Oh, I love this movie. Sleepaway Camp. Dear Mom and Dad, I've been at a sleepaway camp for almost three weeks. And I'm getting very scared. Welcome to Sleepaway Camp. Someone is watching you. Hey, Baba Reba. Someone is waiting for you. Someone wants to scare you to death. Away camp. You won't be coming home. I remember the first time I saw Sleepaway Camp. Guess what? It was on VHS. Don't be surprised. But this came about because um, I had seen Scream in theater. And so that, you know, seeing Halloween on VHS, even just parts of it, kind of got the wheels turning. But seeing uh, Scream in theater, like, that was what certified me. I'm like, I'm in it to win it. I'm a horror junkie for life. I love this stuff. And so then I wanted to start collecting movies, right? It's how it is. I remember I used to stay in this apartment complex uh, close to that pawn shop I told you guys about. And I had a buddy who lived next door named Ethan. And so we used to go down to what was called Video City, and we rented VHS tapes. Now, thankfully, at this time period... You know, internet wasn't really as big, uh, if it was big at all. Like, I don't know. But it was before smartphones and before YouTube. And so, basically, this shit didn't get ruined for me. And who would I be to ruin it for you? But I will tell you, the ending of this movie is like the icing on the cake, man. Like, I never went to camp, right? Like, ever. Not summer camp, not church camp, not even camp. I want a pee-pee. But I've always understood what that whole summer camp thing was supposed to look like. And... To be honest, I always wanted to go. And it was weird. Like, everybody who went always didn't talk good about it. I'm like, but I've seen the movies. It looks cool. But maybe they didn't go to Camp Arawak. I don't know. Maybe they'd have a different opinion. <laughs> this movie is amazing. And it'll always be amazing. Call it cheesy. Call it campy. That kind of fits. But you can't call it not fun, right? Felissa Rose as Angela is great. And I'd even compare her to, like, Sissy Spacek and Carrie Great. Like, it just really, the oddball character works really good. And, you know, you can say this movie was a cash grab or a copycat of Friday the 13th or The Burning, which was crazy because The Burning was a copy of Friday the 13th. But, hey, look, man, Sleepaway Camp's just one of those movies that, if it's on, I'm watching it. Doesn't matter where it is, if I'm stumbling in the middle of it, I'm finishing the last half. I own this on VHS, and I know it streams for free on Tubi, and it streams for free on Freebie, but sometimes just popping in the tape is cool. Like, it is what it is, man. I just love it. And this movie, it's almost like the best way I can describe it is it walks that fine line of being so bad it's good, and I don't know why, but it's like a, a love it type thing. And in case you've never seen it, and the ending has not been ruined for you, just go watch it. Like, right now, go watch it. 
All right, the last movie. I know you guys are sad about it, but I thought 13 was a fair number instead of 5. We're back at the prom, man. It's from 1980. It's prom night. There's a special night in the lives of all of us. A night to be beautiful, to be desirable. A night we can break all the rules and make our own. Prom night. Everyone at Hamilton High is getting ready for prom night. It's a day of rehearsals, arrangements, final preparations, and last-minute phone calls. Nick? Wendy, do you still like to play games? They're too old for games. But someone still wants to play. Why? Kelly. It's been a long time. Tonight, it's my turn. Tonight, someone has come to the prom alone. Someone who watches in the silent corridors. Someone who waits until no one can help. Prom night. If you're not back by midnight, you won't be coming home. Remember when I told you I appreciated Jamie Lee Curtis's Laurie Strode, but I wasn't the biggest fan? Well, give me Jamie Lee Curtis as Kimberly Hammond, and my friend, you got yourself a date. I remember the first time I saw this movie, it was on VHS, and again, I mentioned Scream. I owe this one to Scream, because if you watch Scream, the original, there's a part when Randy says, you know, if they watch Prom Night, they'd save time. There's a formula to it, a very simple formula. Everybody's a suspect. You guys remember that part, right? Well, that put this movie on my radar. And so I remember going to Blockbuster. Yeah, there it is. I finally mentioned Blockbuster. Getting this movie. And, dude, Prom Night is so cool. And, you know, most people probably have seen it. And a lot of people probably saw the remake back in 2008. Um, in fact, there were also three sequels. I don't know if you know that. It was Prom Night 1, 2. In that, Prom Night 2 is fun. Hello, Mary Lou, Prom Night 2. 3 is kind of bad. 4 is kind of forgettable, but I should watch it again. But I'll take the OG Prom Night any day of the week. And, dude, I don't even know. Like It's kind of why I saved it for last on here. Is I just love this movie probably more than I should, but I'm totally ride or die on it. I know Andy loves it. Shout out to you, bro. But I'm curious... Does he love it as much as I do? <laughs> oh, man. But like I said, I got it from Blockbuster. Greatest movie store in history. I took this home, watched it by myself, and was so impressed that I immediately went next door to Ethan's and like, dude, you got to watch this movie. And we did. So I watched it back to back, man. Like I said, I saved this for last because I love it so much. And I know it seems like there's not a lot of love for it out there. I don't really know why. But... um the characters, the story, the setting, the ending, the music, like it's all here for me, man. Every single time I watch this movie, the ending leaves me in goosebumps and I tear up a little bit. It's just so well executed. And uh, I also should go ahead and admit, <laughs> I love the disco, baby. That's right. Saturday Night Fever, Staying Alive, Don't Go in the House. 
Uh, yeah, I'm a disco guy. Disco's cool. But prom night, man, it's that return to school, right? A place that I think is just such a cool setting for a horror movie. And there's some really great cat and mouse sequences, like really great kills. And it just makes this movie for me. And normally, I don't even love the cat and mouse thing, but it's done really good in this one. I don't know why. And uh, more than anything, I think this one has the highest rewatchability, right? I mentioned, like, I've seen every movie on here a million times, and at any point I would watch any of these, any point of the day, but, dude, I've probably seen Prom Night the most. Like, you've heard of a guilty pleasure? This is a guilty-ass pleasure. But all 13 movies that I've talked about today hold such a special place in my heart. And when it comes to Prom Night, man, just (laughs) crown me king of all the Prom Night fans. But, hey. I'm going to wrap this episode up because I just told you about 13 movies I love and I'm curious what you guys think. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to me talking about movies that left a big impact on me and maybe I shared some of the same memories you guys have, right? Like did you go to your local video store and rent any of these movies or did you save up your lunch money or spend your allowance on VHS tapes you just had to have? Like that was me as a kid, man. Fuck the social circle. I watched horror in my room and it's who I was then. It's who I am now, but I'm a little more social now. I got this podcast, right? It helps me. There's there's a lot of grateful things. Right, things to be grateful for just in this world and the horror community and my podcast listeners, man. You guys are just such a, a big, big part of it. And shout out to you, Julie. I love you. I love watching horror movies with you. It makes my heart so happy. And I love these movies so much. And I love that I get to share memories with all you guys. I'd say if you like what you heard today, consider subscribing to my show. I want to do more episodes like this. It would be cool if you guys gave me a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify. I'm going to continue giving you guys my all, and I'm going to try to keep this thing ad-free because fuck ads. Who wants to listen to that? Stay tuned because I'm going to do more solo episodes like this in the future as well as some more top fives. Going to have Andy and Ed the Undead and my Star Trek guys and who knows who else. Just Julie, everybody's going to come back on here. And who knows, maybe some more deep dives, maybe some more movie run-throughs, right? That'll be really cool. But for now, I'll let that be that. I hope you guys had a good time. I hope you have a wonderful day. And thank you for listening to the All Things Dave podcast.